Are we live? It looks like we live. Oh, I'm still alive. And so are you. What's up, fam? Your boy Mo, Max Mogren with the Mog Farts Podcast, episode six. It's a Saturday morning, 8 a.m., February 19th, 2022. I don't claim to be super woo-woo, but I sure felt shitty yesterday. And I think it had something to do with the collective consciousness processing the Canadian government cracking down on Freedom Convoy protesters. At least 100 people arrested in Canada as they shut down the convoy. If you watch some of the videos, horrific images, women getting pepper sprayed by the cops, cops on horseback trampling people, cops breaking the windows and door mechanisms of vehicles, ripping people out of them, cops tackling people, cops wearing full military garb, going after peaceful protesters in Canada. It's all over the news today, although we're not going to see it too much in the local news. Got a big show for you today. Big show for you today. Uh Another headline from The Verge, this one just came out, how Facebook twisted Canada's trucker convoy into an international movement, a labyrinth of Facebook groups and right-wing media. Okay, they, they love going after social media networks as they lose control of the narrative, just like they love going after people standing up for freedom. Look at the uh, this truck here, says it all. You know, they try to portray, since the get-go, for the last three weeks, four weeks, first they tried to portray the Freedom Convoy movement as fringe right-wing extremist, racist, domestic terrorists. But this truck, you can see in the image, says it all. On the back, it says, Freedom, stand up. On the side, no lockdowns, no mandates, no vax pass. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It truly is a freedom convoy. It's about bodily autonomy, human health, basic freedoms, okay? We can't trust corrupt governments and corrupt corporations. You know, corporations are designed to consolidate profit. Governments are designed to consolidate power. And when we when they work together, they merge into a techno-fascist, bioterrorist global control grid, which is what we're seeing. And we're seeing with these protests, they shut down people's access to money, right? See all these cops there, all these cops. How many cops would, would show up at these protests if they weren't getting paid to bust skulls to intimidate people? Okay, the system is, is set up to suppress dissent, whether we see it online or in real life. Sad to see the Canadian government cracking down on their citizens in such a horrible manner. I look back to the beginning of the pandemic back in March 2020, two years ago. And at the time when, when things got going, I was up in Canada. I love Canadians. I love Canadian culture, Canadian food, Canadian mountains. I was up there skiing on Rogers Pass. 
And while I was there, I was hanging out with Canadian ski bums. A lot of them living, living in vehicles a lot like that truck. Camping out for free at the top of Rogers Pass. And I was hanging out with a great couple from Australia. I met up with them in Wyoming. The snow was pretty crappy around here, but they were... They had bought an old uh, GMC Safari van. A great couple uh, from Australia, from Tasmania, no less. God, it was cool to see them and learn about uh, Tasmania and their life working at a ski resort in uh, Australia. But they were traveling around in a little, little old, you know, probably a $2,000 old van. No heat, doing the ski bum thing across the North American continent. And I helped them out. Uh, my buddy Will at the kayak shop hooked me up with them. And I helped them put a little diesel drip heater in their van. And then uh, I encouraged them to go up to Canada. I was so inspired by their road trip. I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to take my van up to Canada too. And it was so much fun. Such a joyous experience meeting people from other cultures interacting with them I remember sitting playing playing card games and drinking beers in the back of an old converted short bus little school bus with some canadian ski bums up there having so much fun but then we heard the border was closing heard the border was closing and i had to cut my trip short now my own personal you know my own personal experience with the pandemic is nothing compared to a lot of other people's. But it has affected the last two years of blatant bullshit has affected all of our lives in so many ways. So I just want to say thank you so much to everybody taking part in the Freedom Convoy movement globally, especially the brave Canadians, the selfless, brave Canadians who got this thing off the ground yesterday, you know, I was feeling it. I was feeling the collective consciousness struggling with this uh, bullshit as cops were cracking down, cracking skulls up there in Canada. And I was watching live streams and I couldn't, you know, there's live streams on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all sorts of different streaming services. I was watching Press for Truth, his his live stream. It was a cold, clear night. It looked so cold up there on the streets of Ottawa. It looked real cold. Crystal clear, blue sky at sunset. Coldest nights are the ones where you don't have that cloud layer. You know, those high, wispy, lingering, spreading, contrail, cirrus layers proven to trap heat. Can't stress that enough. But in these live streams, I couldn't help but notice all the comments coming in. Just repetitive comments saying, go home, go home. And then you'd see one, people saying, don't go home, thank you so much. But comment over and over and over and over and over again, go home, go home, go home. And if you click on the uh, bio, you click on the person or bot, rather, making these comments, you quickly realize that the vast majority of these trolls commenting, go home, 
expressing their support for the Canadian Gestapo in other ways. Uh, they weren't real people. They weren't real people. And that just shows you what we're up against. Techno-fascist bio-terrorism. I have to say, you know, Facebook, generally, you know, yeah, I get Facebook bans and stuff, but the algorithms on Facebook are pretty good at giving you what you want. This is just a sampling of things I shared today while I was out having breakfast at the Yankee Doodle Cafe here in Alpine, Wyoming. Just sitting there goofing with the waitresses, reading the local rag. You know, I'm still calling for a boycott of the local newspaper, and I'm going to dissect that a little bit in today's episode. Then we're going to read an excerpt on AIDS and HIV from Robert F. Excuse me, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s best-selling book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Health and Democracy. If you haven't read it yet, I strongly encourage you to pick up a copy. Um, I don't like supporting Amazon.com, but you can get it over there for $20.57. I've purchased it seven times. I probably bought a dozen copies total. Anybody out there can't afford a copy of this book. If you promise to read it and share the information you learn and pass it on to other people, I will buy you a copy. It's worth it to me. It's one thing I can do to help make a difference in this world. My friend Eva Ordo bought her a copy and she sent me a lovely t-shirt and some medicinal CBD. So... If you want to transact with me, trade for trade, I will buy you a copy of this book. You don't have to send me anything, but, you know, maybe a nice little letter sharing your thoughts or, uh, you know, something, whatever. The underground economy is what makes the world go around. Again, I don't like buying stuff off Amazon, just like I don't like supporting Facebook. But if I can get this book for $20.57 shipped with quick shipping off to you i'm probably going to do it looking at random memes i shared on facebook this morning babylon b from the 5th of february joe rogan agrees to only spread cdc approved misinformation and that kind of seems seems like joe might be buckling a bit under pressure his latest episode of the experience episode 1779 michael osterholm Michael Osterholm makes me a little less proud to be a Minnesotan. He's a Minnesotan. Well, he's originally from Iowa, but lives in the Twin Cities. Director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Um, and this guy, man, you want to know the mainstream approach to the pandemic right now. You want to know the official spin coming from the techno-fascist bioterrorist establishment. Listen to that latest Joe Rogan. I, I listened to about half of it, and I'm going to listen to the rest of it today while skiing. Because even though I don't trust Mr. Osterholm, even though I I know that he's a piece of shit, um, I'm going to listen to what he has to say and critically analyze it. Who is this guy? Regents Professor McKnight, Presidential Endowed Chair in Public Health and Director for the Center of Infectious Disease Research and Policy, blah, 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 at the University of Minnesota. 
November 2020, Dr. Osterholm was appointed by questionably elected President Joe Biden's 13-member Transition COVID-19 Advisory Board. From June 8, 2018 to May 2019, he served as Science Envoy for Health Security on behalf of the U.S. Department of State. Author of New York Times best-selling 2017 book, Deadliest Enemy, Our War Against Killer Germs. Um, Nine-point strategy on addressing infectious disease threats with preventing a global flu pandemic at the top of the list. Dr. Osterholm is a member of the National Academy of Medicine and the Council of Foreign Relations, CFR. Okay, this guy's deep state insider. Uh, blah, blah, blah. National Science Advisory Board on Biosecurity. In July 2008, he was named to the University of Minnesota Academic Health Center's Academy of Excellence in Health Research. In October 2008, he was appointed to the World Economic Forum Working Group on Pandemics. Okay. This guy checks all the boxes for being a bona fide piece of shit. World Economic Forum, we all know them. Great reset. Event 201, the folks pushing the subscription-based service to immune systems on humanity. In this episode, what I've heard so far, he's talking about the HIV. You know, all of a sudden, HIV is all over the news. Jeff Berwick, Max Egan, brilliant independent thinkers have been calling COVID COVIDs for a long time. AIDS, of course, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Okay, this is a very serious situation. Interestingly, you know, there's this push that's in the local paper today, too. They're rolling back all the regulations, rolling back all the controls. And while we could see that as reason to celebrate, in reality, as we see up in Canada... The psychopathic, profit-driven, power-mongering pieces of shit like Michael T. Osterholm and his handlers are not giving up, okay? They're still cracking down on dissent, cracking down on free speech. And I think we need to be aware, more cautious than ever, you know, and when they start calling for lockdowns and mask mandates and stuff, that's when, that's when it's okay. You know, call bullshit on that. When they start going the other way and saying, "Oh, you know, just going to have to learn to live with COVID," and uh, by the way, get your free HIV test. My gut tells me things are going to get a whole lot worse from a public health standpoint, from a pandemic standpoint before they get better so when they start letting down the guard it's time that we put our guard up when it comes to protecting our own health and the health of our communities the health of our loved ones so uh, reminds me of uh standing rock standing rock over the thanksgiving holiday in 2015 2016 i forget exactly which year the uh, Obama administration said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna do a environmental assessment on the pipeline, and you win, you win, Standing Rock, you win." Okay, but uh, 
then they went ahead with the bullshit anyway. Still continued to crack down on the protest. They made it out like it was over. Just like they're making it out like the pandemic is over at this juncture. But I don't know, friends. Keep your head on a swivel. Keep your guard up. Don't freak out, but yeah. So yeah, Osterholm, Rogan. I'll be struggling through that one today. Speaking of Rogan, another meme I shared this morning on Facebook. You know, despite all the censorship there, they do give me what I want. Those algorithms know what I like. James Stewart published on February 10th. I wish there was as much outrage over Ghislaine's Maxwell client list as there is over a podcast comedian. Ain't that the truth? Some news out of Canada that my friend Samuel Lambert shared. Sam, great guy, very strong climber. Drug my ass up moonlight buttress when he sent it. Free climbing. Very impressive climber. But he shared this this morning. This isn't a picture. It's a picture of some smashed up industrial trucks a violent overnight attack at coastal gas links site leaves workers shaken millions in damage okay vancouver sun reporting somebody trashing trucks at a gas production facility over there in british columbia free thought project letting us know i watched the video of this man what a creep top facebook employee caught by pedo hunters confesses to trying to lure a 13-year-old boy for sex. This guy is, uh, he portrayed himself, I don't, you know, I don't know how confirmed it is, but he portrayed himself as like a director of global community development or some, some, some big title at Meta, aka Facebook. And he was a, he is a pedophile. Soliciting sex from minors. Interestingly, there's a good article here at Big Think. Metaverse. Augmented reality pioneer warns it could be far worse than social media. If used improperly, the metaverse could be more divisive than social media. An insidious threat to society and even reality itself. It's a good read if you want something to read. Suffice it to say, I will not be taking part in the metaverse. I think... Actual reality is plenty fun. Claudio Figueras posted a good one. By way of connecting consciousness, Instagram. Hidden fact. This is thought-provoking in the era when we're told how so-called toxic masculinity is such a threat to society. Ever notice how all modern TV shows portray father figures as bumbling, incapable, childlike dolts? The Simpsons, American Dad, Malcolm in the Middle, and South Park are some of the most viewed TV shows in history, all with fathers that are inept dumbasses. This is not a coincidence, but in fact intentional mass programming to reduce power, confidence, and true manliness. This is a psychological warfare aspect of the multifaceted assault on masculinity, in addition to the chemical assault on testosterone production. These shows have programmed the population to think of men as weak, incapable, and to cause a divide in the sexes. Something to consider.
Yeah. So many testosterone-destroying, estrogen-boosting chemicals out there today in the world. Our biology, our biochemistry, our bioelectricity being fucked with on so many levels. And people wonder why so many children struggle to find uh, a sense of their sexuality and gender. On the topic of war and media, this is a meme from 2013, but it rings just as true today as it did then. They lied about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They lied about Vietnam, Cambodia, Serbia, and so on. They lied when they told you invading Libya was about providing humanitarian aid. They are lying about Syria and will lie about Iran. Please wake up. And of course, they're lying about the situation in the Ukraine right now. Um, let's see. It's all over the news today. You know, Biden, Biden keeps saying, Biden, the puppet in chief, keeps saying, oh, the Russians are going to invade any day now. Business Insider reporting today. Yesterday, excuse me. U.S. says Russia has deployed 190,000 troops around Ukraine, almost doubling its strength in two weeks while claiming to withdraw. Even the local paper, the local rag, pushing those drums of war upon us today. Another good meme. Thomas Barrett posted seven hours ago. If you truly want to follow the science, then follow the silenced. And his comment there, real good comment. Max Egan from Australia. The Crow House. Max Egan, brilliant anarchist thinker from Australia. Now living with Jeff Berwick in Mexico. The dollar vigilante Jeff Berwick. Max Egan and Jeff Berwick, both those guys are a great place to start if you want to follow the real science. Judea Johnson, the wonderful lady out in the Bay Area. If you haven't followed her, you should. She's always posting good stuff. Real simple meme she shared 17 hours ago. Stop masking kids. So simple. So true. So poignant. You know, out in California, they're still in a state of emergency, apparently. But you wouldn't know watching all the celebs partying at the Super Bowl, would you? Super Bowl Sunday, then Monday morning, all the kids got to wear masks to go back to school. Another meme posted by Wayne Walton, another good guy. Mainstream media wearing a mask, covering up the mouth of nurses with morals. Saying, so fascinating, but we've got a narrative to push. In that uh, latest Joe Rogan with World Economic Forum, CFR, Biden administration, piece of shit, Michael Osterholm, the man who makes me not proud to be a Minnesotan, uh, he talks about how 500,000, in that episode, he talks about how 500,000 American healthcare providers have quit. He, of course, he doesn't blame the vaccine mandates and the fact that 
a lot of healthcare providers, you know, I, I know a bunch of doctors, I know a bunch of nurses. They're not, you know, in my experience, I can't speak for everybody, but the people that I have spoken with, they are disenfranchised. They are, they've lost their stoke. They've lost their belief in the modern American medical mafia run by big pharma and corrupt government, the insurance cartels. They've lost their faith in the industry because they've seen how it has treated people over the last, or has not treated people rather, over the last two years of the pandemic. Um, another good meme. Would you look at the time? Someone's wearing a Apple Watch, which I wouldn't recommend. There's enough uh, unnatural EMF zapping you in so many ways without putting it on your friggin' wrist. But the watch says mass noncompliance. Thomas Barrett sharing that from Eskimo Libertarian. Good advice. Always noncompliant around here. Jason K. Hirschman, another great guy. Shared a good meme. Shows a truck. Truck parked up there on the streets of Canada. And it says, it's a George Orwell quote. All tyrannies rule through fraud and force. But once the fraud is exposed, they must rely exclusively on force. And that's what we're seeing up in Canada, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We all know that. If a similarly large and disruptive protest movement pops off in the U.S., and I hope it does, the U.S. government is well-versed in forcing its citizens to stop protesting. Another good meme from Thomas Barrett shows Trudeau saying, I will run this country like my dad, Fidel Castro, looking very similar to Trudeau in facial structure, saying, go get him, son. If you haven't followed the rabbit hole of the Trudeau family's connections with uh, deceased Cuban dictator, communist Fidel Castro, uh, they were they were friendly, and uh, signs do point to the notion that Justin Trudeau is actually the bastard son of Fidel Castro. Of course, Trudeau using all sorts of underhanded tactics to shut down dissent in Canada. Cracking skulls is one thing, but cutting people off from access to finances, access to their bank accounts is another, access to donations. And a good reminder, this meme, the largest religion on earth isn't what you think. It shows a beautiful color, colorized depiction of a giant cathedral. But instead of a crucifix over the altar, there's a big illuminated dollar sign. And ain't that the truth? So many people think think of themselves as so scientific and so selfless and so uh, free thinking and progressive, but they don't realize that they worship artificially created, centrally controlled, fiat conspiracy currencies that are issued by profit-driven, private, power-mongering central banks, okay? 
uh, we, we've been taught to worship money. And my old boss, Michael C. Rupert, had a good quote. He says, until you change the way money works, you'll, you've changed nothing. And there's a lot of truth to that. We all know the monetary system is designed to make wealth trickle upward as opposed to downward. Good, <laughs> good humor, satire from the Babylon Bee. Massacre as great white shark allowed to compete in the women's 500 freestyle. <laughs> Playing off of the, you know, supposed, supposed progress of letting men who identify as women compete in women's sports. It's utterly absurd. Gotta love that. We're going to talk about the HIV connection. There's a, I'm not sure if this is from There Will Be Blood or, no, that's from Gangs of New York. Uh, I think it's Daniel Day-Lewis. Them, make sure you know your HIV status. Me, unjabbed. Yep. Justin Dover, 20 hours ago, his comment on the meme. So if you got the jab, you give a positive on an HIV test, or do you actually got the HIV? Nobody really knows at this point. So glad I'm just a wacko anti-poison stab conspiracy realist who never did trust the government and lamestream societal norms that I don't have to participate in this circus. Justin, I appreciate your perspective. But sadly, it seems we are all going to pay the price of the collective insanity. Yeah. The healthcare system has been bankrupting Americans and if COVID's, if acquired immunodeficiency syndrome is a result of this bioweapon out of China or the shady injections pushed on the population as a purported solution to the bioweapon, um, yeah, it's not going to be good. We're all going to be affected by it. Quality Education, published on the 15th, World War One, World War Two, World War Three meme. You know, the evolution of the machine gun. It has become a camera belt-fed with bundles of conspiracy currency. And ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? That's why, even though I don't have a big reach, I don't have a lot of tangible support from folks, although I do have three subscribers ponying up $260 annually, to fund my efforts, uh, I'm still speaking up. I'm still waking them up. I'm still letting my voice be heard every day. Um, <laughs> commentary on the scientismists. Shows a guy wearing a IFL science t-shirt screaming, CNN, new study, new study finds. Guy responds, but this makes no sense because... Guy says, shut up, idiot. You're not an expert. The science has settled. And then he holds up his phone. CNN, newer study finds. But this is exactly what I told you. Shut up, idiot. The science changes. <laughs> Coming from We Are Change. Thank you to Luke Rudkowski. Check out LukeUncensored.com. That guy uh, has been getting after it for a long time. If you've never seen his groundbreaking 
illuminating documentary on that 9-11, Loose Change 9-11. You should check that one out. Because if you still believe that Osama bin Laden and a couple guys with box cutters took down uh, the Twin Towers in the Pentagon with... Uh, and and world trainers trade yeah world trade center seven uh without the obvious complicity of corrupt factions of our own government well you've been living a lie for the last 20 years and it's time to wake up it's time to wake up to reality can't trust the government because they'll kill their own citizens when it serves a political purpose can't trust the corporate media because they've been running cover. You know, their their business model depends upon advertising revenue and support from foundations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They're pushing agendas, they're pushing narratives, they're they're spreading blatant propaganda and lies, as exemplified by the fact that 21 years after the fact. The corporate media still hasn't told us anywhere near the truth about 9-11. Good meme from uh, Fee. Uh, what is Fee? The uh, Foundation of Economic Foundation for Economic Education out of Atlanta, Georgia. Taking a tweet from John Miles. After two years of stopping commerce, all of a sudden stopping commerce is the most egregious thing someone can do. Excuse me. Right? The hypocrisy. Canadian refuse Nick tweet. 10,000.6 retweets. So, we have the names of the people who donated to the trucker's convoy, but not the names of Ghislaine Maxwell's customers. That is odd, isn't it? Just goes to show. And we got a Disney princess coming from Defeat the Media letting us know, listen, this is a very simple concept. If it's not voluntary, it's tyranny. The Canadian bankrupt going on. Not sure what's going on there. Bleeping computer reporting Canada's major banks go offline in mysterious hours-long outage on February 17th, the day before the crackdown in Ottawa. Uh, the big... Big Canadian banks, outages, massive outages, all occurring at the same time. Is it a bank run? Is it an organic grassroots bank run? Is it uh, part of a deeper agenda? We don't really know, but we're going to find out. Sadly, you know, I often get, well, I used to get a lot of my news from ricefarmer.blogspot.com, but in the early days of the pandemic, Rice Farmer seems to have unpublished his blog. It was a wonderful, wonderful service that you provided, Rice Farmer. So if you're still out there, farming rice in rural Japan and sticking it to the man, uh, we could sure use your efforts again, Rice Farmer. It'd be great to see your uh, talents mm -hmm. in use again. From the Wilderness Peak Oil blog, MikeRupert.blogspot.com. I'm a contributor there. Jenna Orkin, brilliant Jenna Orkin. Thank you for your continued efforts, Jenna, to find good news. Well, maybe it's not good. A lot of it's not good news, but the most relevant and interesting 
and relevatory stories out there. And then naked capitalism, interesting, naked capitalism is down, their server's down. That's another site I use uh, to find information. But they're down. Uh, see if it'll load now, yeah. So there's no updates from the last three or four days at Naked Capitalism, which is which strikes me as odd. One bit of potentially good news coming from the Science Times, a novel catalyst can turn carbon dioxide into gasoline a thousand times more efficiently than existing methods. Of course, the climate change agenda, the CO2-centric view of anthropomorphic climate change is bullshit. It's being used to push forward horrible agendas that are going to affect the world's poor in terrible, terrible ways. And this uh, could be a, you know, this sort of technological advancement could help derail that agenda. So it's worth noting, scientists have been trying to reduce carbon dioxide emissions and reverse the proliferation of greenhouse gases to save the planet. It's always, it's always couched in that sort of phraseology, isn't it? Um, but uh, science alert reported that engineers at Stanford, led by chemical engineer Matteo Cargnello, are turning carbon dioxide into other useful chemicals such as butane, propane, and other hydrocarbon fuels made up of long chains of hydrocarbons. So that's cool. Hopefully uh, something comes of that. Just wanted to let you all know. It's a fascinating read over there at Science Times, uh, published on the 14th, written by Margaret Davis. Interesting here, coming from Business Insider on the 17th, people were 41% more likely to have sleep disorders after getting COVID-19, a large study found. COVID-19 survivors are more at risk of sleep trouble. A large study of ex-military personnel found they were 41% more likely to be diagnosed with sleep disorders within a year of infection, it found. Interesting, interesting shit there. It's hard to know when you're dealing with a bioweapon made in China with our tax dollars, right? New York Post uh, letting us know on the 17th that a COVID education campaign at center of FBI raid of Houston Health Department, uh, this COVID education center had received more than $900,000. It was a marketing company. They got more than $900,000 um, to spread pandemic propaganda. And allegations um, concerning a health department marketing vendor and employee conduct. So I think, long story short here, these people took the money and ran. Shows you the ethical principles of the folks uh, pushing the pandemic. Uh, da -da. This is just an example here. Common Dreams. You know, I, I shared a link from Common Dreams the other day, written by a Corbett lady. I forget her full name, but her last name, Corbett. Uh, about how grotesque it was that the media is calling for war in the, the Ukraine. And it is grotesque. But this guy, John Pfeffer, what a kook. The suicide trucker convoy, the freedom convoy. You know, when they put freedom convoy in quotes, you know that it's uh, going to be some propaganda. 
wants to spread it. The Freedom Convoy wants to spread its anti-government, anti-social, and ultimately self-defeating messages far and wide. Um, dude, what are you talking about, John Pfeffer? Shame on you. Um, yeah. Just blatant bullshit. The local paper, you know, I'm calling for a boycott of the local paper. Sadly, they're, they're still on their bullshit. 36 pages today. They're back up. You know, they were down to 28. I was hoping that the boycott was having some impact. I'm still calling for this boycott. I want to encourage all y'all to take part in it. The paper. Nonsense. Front cover. Teton Dems give session update from abortion to transgender rights to critical race theory. Rep. Andy Schwartz warned of a growing split in the Republican Party as he updated Teton County Democrats on the state of affairs in Cheyenne. Okay. Whatever. Seems like, you know, I pity the uh, so-called progressives who are obsessed with skin color and genitalia in the midst of uh, a global pandemic, the loss of freedoms, uh, because it seems that they are suffering from trauma-based mind control. Really lost the plot when you're con more concerned about gender and teaching children you know, dividing children based on race in uh, schools pretty absurd interestingly in the opinion section the jackson hole daily today weekend edition it's all about censorship and uh you know one one school district in McMinn County, Tennessee, uh, called for the removal of the book Mouse, a cartoon, you know, graphic novel about the Holocaust using cats to uh, exemplify the Nazis and mice to exemplify their victims. Um, yeah, they're, you know, it's funny how they're calling censorship such a bad thing right oh if you're trying to censor a book about uh, the holocaust which which is apparently happening in one one school district and then the real bigger issue is school districts trying to get rid of all this hypersexualized gender bending propaganda being foisted upon the students that's the real issue that's the real issue uh but they they like to focus on this one book in one school district and make it out like the corporate media is fighting against censorship when in reality we all know uh, the real scientists get silenced the real free thinkers get banned shadow banned deplatformed demonetized and so forth so just more bullshit um Wyoming leading the nation in suicide rates in 2021. Sad to see. And then, not surprisingly, Wyoming will not see the administration misses a deadline for oil and gas lease sale. I wonder why Wyoming is leading the nation in suicide. Could it have anything to do with the CO2-centric climate alarmists shutting down Wyoming's largest industries in coal, oil, and gas. I would venture to guess that there is 
not only a correlation, but direct causation between shutting down Wyoming's largest industries and Wyoming leading the nation in suicide. Shady shit, you know. They haven't had a Wyoming, they haven't had a federal lands gas and oil lease sale in over a year. This is the sixth quarter in a row now. Uh, Trump administration did have a sale, but those permits haven't been filled yet. Apparently, you know, it's it's playing out in the courts, but that doesn't put food on the table of struggling Wyomingites. In the national international news, uh, the conspiracy theorists in uh, in D.C. are saying how Putin is going to use false flags to uh, to uh, justify invading Ukraine. They're just expecting him to do it any day now. It's a distraction. It's a deception. It's designed to keep us from focusing on the things that really matter, things we can actually control. Is a classic example of Wag the Dog, as exemplified in the 1997 Hollywood blockbuster of that title, Wag the Dog. If you haven't ever seen it, give it a watch. It's worth it. You can get it for free from the Pirate Bay, I'm sure. No sense spending money on an old movie. Interestingly, uh, page 12, model, estimated 73% of the U.S. now Omicron immune. Okay, and again, this just exemplifies the trend where they're downplaying the official narrative on, you know, we've been told for years and years, well, the last two years, excuse me, how we got to be so afraid of COVID and we got to impose all these draconian measures. But now they're calling for the, you know, they say, oh, now it's like, oh, now they're saying, oh, yeah, herd immunity, herd immunity does work is essentially what they're saying. Uh, at the same time, they're telling us. Get your HIV test. Weird shit. And that's about it for the paper. Enough of that nonsense. Keep boycotting them, my friends. It does matter. It does make a difference. Now we're going to get into uh, a little reading. A little reading from RFK Jr.'s brilliant best-selling book. You know, there's all this news on uh, HIV. And it's interesting, well, I'll show you something real quick. There's a, in the journal Nature, Fauci, HIV vaccine, mRNA. Let's see what comes up if I search for that with DuckDuckGo. There was a, an article written by Fauci in nature recently about well hold on dr fauci's publications anyway if you look uh i can't find it today but trust me recently uh fauci had an article Pushing mRNA technology. 
And uh, not surprisingly, Fauci owns a bunch of patents on... Yeah, here we go. Fauci owns a bunch of patents on uh, mRNA and its use, mRNA technology, vaccines, um, as related to HIV. Okay, I'll just talk about HIV and AIDS. Sorry, I can't find you that Nature article. But I'm going to read you guys a chapter from the real Anthony Fauci. I want to just bring that up. Well, there you go. You can see 4.8 stars from 11,869 ratings on this book. Let me go ahead and close down my shared screen. Got the book here in front of me. I'm going to read you guys chapter 5, The HIV Heresies. Because it's important to know what we're up against here. A man living outside the circle of delusion, which imprisons most men, has a question of everyone he meets, usually asked silently. Can you get outside of yourself for even a split second to hear something you have never heard before? Those who learn to hear will enter a new world. That's a quote from Khalil Gibran, brilliant author. Now we turn to the words of RFK Jr. I hesitated to include this chapter because an un, any un, excuse me, I hesitated to include this chapter because any questioning of the orthodoxy that HIV is the sole cause of AIDS remains an unforgivable, even dangerous heresy among our reigning medical cartel and its media allies. But one cannot write a complete book about Tony Fauci without touching on the abiding and fascinating scientific controversy over what he characterizes as his greatest accomplishment and his life's work. From the outset, I want to make clear that I take no position on the relationship between HIV and AIDS. I include this history because it provides an important case study illustrating how some 400 years after Galileo, politics and power continue to dictate scientific consensus rather than empiricism, critical thinking, or the established steps of the scientific method. It is a hazard to both democracy and public health when a kind of religious faith in authoritative pronouncements supplants disciplined observation, rigorous proofs, and reproducible results as the source of truth in the medical field. While consensus may be an admirable political objective, it is the enemy of science and truth. The term settled science is an oxymoron. The admonishment that we should trust the experts is a trope of authoritarianism. Science is disruptive, irreverent, dynamic, rebellious, and democratic. Consensus and appeals to authority, be it the CDC, WHO, Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, or the Vatican, are features of religion, not science. Science is tumult. Empirical truth generally arises from the tilled, agitated, and upturned soils of debate. Mm -hmm. Doubt, skepticism, questioning, and dissent 
are its fertilizers. Every great scientific advance in history, every transformative idea, from evolution to heliocentrism to relatively, relativity, met initial ridicule from the panjandrums of scientific consensus. As, do, as novelist and physician Dr. Michael Creighton observed, Dr. Michael Creighton, uh, the guy that wrote Jurassic Park, here's a quote from him. Thank you, RFK Jr. Consensus is the business of politics. Science, on the contrary, requires only one investigator who happens to be right, which means that he or she has results that are verifiable by reference to the real world. In science, consensus is irrelevant. The greatest scientists in history are great precisely because they broke with the consensus. There is no such thing as consensus science. If it's consensus, it isn't science. If it's science, it isn't consensus, period, end quote. Specifically, the original hypothesis on AIDS is an illustration of how vested interests, in this case, Dr. Anthony Fauci, using money, power, position, and influence can engineer consensus on incomplete theories and then ruthlessly suppress dissent. The many thoughtful critics of Dr. Fauci's central canon offer various plausible but wildly divergent alternatives to the official orthodoxy that HIV alone causes AIDS. There is one issue upon which they all agree. During the 36 years since Dr. Fauci and his colleague, Dr. Robert Gallo, first claimed that HIV is the sole cause of AIDS, no one has been able to point to a study that demonstrates their hypothesis using accepted scientific proofs. The fact that Dr. Fauci has obstinately refused to describe a convincing scientific basis for his propositions or to debate the topic with any qualified critics, including the many Nobel laureates who have expressed skepticism, makes it even more important to give air and daylight to dissenting voices. As an aside, setting aside the book for a second here, Rest in peace to Dr. Luc Montagnier, the discoverer of the HIV virus and a strong critic of Dr. Fauci, Dr. Gallo, and the notion that HIV is the sole cause of AIDS, who passed away recently. Rest in peace, Dr. Gallo. Or, yeah, not, not Dr. Gallo, rest in peace, Dr. Luc Montagnier, brilliant French virologist. Back to the book. Even today, incoherence, knowledge gaps, contradictions, and inconsistencies continue to bedevil the official dogma. The unified chorus demanding blind adherence to the official dogma drowned out the lively public disputes of earlier years and ignored the clamor for scientific proof. An obsequious national media had consecrated the orthodoxy and anointed Anthony Fauci with an infallibility formerly reserved for popes. In the February 28, 1994 issue of New York Native, Nina Ostrom wrote an editorial titled The Canonization of Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci, the man who has so mangled and misdirected U.S. AIDS research that 13 years into the epidemic, there is no clear idea of its pathogenesis and no effective treatment, was recently raised to near Satanhood once again by the New York Times. 
That's a quote from Nina Ostrom's 1994 article in the New York Native. Instead of responding to critics by answering common sense inquiries, Dr. Fauci has cultivated a theology that denounces questioning of his orthodoxy as irresponsible, uninformed, and dangerous heresy. It's axiomatic that American democracy thrives on the free flow of information and abhors censorship. So Dr. Fauci's extraordinary capacity to ruthlessly silence, censor, ridicule, defund, and ruin prominent dissidents seems more congruent with the Spanish Inquisition or with Soviet and other totalitarian systems. Today, the First Amendment simply does not apply to Tony Fauci, says Charles Ordleb. Any, science, any scientist who disputes his official cosmology or any of the canons that promote the orthodoxy that HIV is the one and only cause of AIDS is dead in terms of the rewards and sustenance of science. Finally, many of the tactics Dr. Fauci has pioneered to dodge debate, bedazzling and bamboozling the press into ignoring legitimate inquiry on the credo, and undermining, gaslighting, punishing, bullying, intimidating, marginalizing, vilifying, and muzzling critics, have become his mainstays for derailing skepticism about his mismanagement of subsequent pandemics, including COVID. So without attempting to draw conclusions about the underlying HIV AIDS disputes, it is worth reviewing the weapons Dr. Fauci honed during his natal struggle to construct and fortify a scientific theology. The loudest, most influential and persistent challenge to the thesis that HIV might not be the only cause of AIDS came from Dr. Peter Duesberg, who in 1987, enjoyed a reputation as the world's most accomplished and insightful retrovirologist. Specifically, Dr. Duesberg accuses Dr. Fauci of committing mass murder with AZT, the deadly chemical concoction that according to Duesberg causes and never cures the constellations of immune suppression that we now call AIDS. But Duesberg's critique goes deeper than his revulsion for AZT. Duesberg argues that HIV does not cause AIDS, but is simply a free rider common to high-risk populations who suffer immune system suppression due to environmental exposures. While HIV may be sexually transmittable, Duesberg argues AIDS is not. Duesberg famously offered to inject himself with HIV-tainted blood so long as it doesn't come from Gallo's lab. Hold on one second, friends. I hope you're enjoying the book. This is a shocking chapter. And again, it's like, it's so important. Um, I got to send a text out here real quick. There we go. Okay, got it. Thank you for your patience. My phone's blowing up. It's a buddy talking about going skiing today. For starters, Duesberg points out that HIV is seen in millions of healthy individuals who never develop AIDS. Conversely, there are thousands of known AIDS cases in patients who are not demonstrably infected with HIV. 
Dr. Fauci has never been able to explain these phenomena, which are inconsistent with the pathogenesis of any other infectious disease. Many other prominent and thoughtful scientists have offered a variety of well-reasoned hypotheses to explain these baffling fissures in the HIV orthodoxy. Most of these alternative conjectures accept that HIV plays a role in the onset of AIDS, but argue that there must be other cofactors, a qualifier that Dr. Fauci and a handful of his die-fired PIs stubbornly deny. PI means principal investigator, as an aside. Principal investigators, heavily funded by the NIH and the NIAID, where Fauci controls the purse. Back to the book. Prior to advancing his own theory for the etiology of AIDS, Duesberg methodically laid out the logical flaws in Dr. Fauci's HIV-AIDS hypothesis in a groundbreaking 1987 article in Cancer Research. Dr. Fauci has never answered Duesberg's common sense questions. In his subsequent book, Inventing the AIDS Virus, Duesberg, in 724 riveting pages, expands his dissection of the hypothesis flaws and outlines his own explanation for the etiology of AIDS. For those subsumed in the theology that HIV is the sole cause of AIDS, Dr. Duesberg's critique seems so outlandish that they automatically debase anyone who even considers them. It's telling, then, to discover how much traction his arguments have among the world's most thoughtful and brilliant scientists, including many Nobel laureates, perhaps most notably Luc Montagnier, who first isolated HIV. To date, Dr. Fauci has been able to silence, but not to answer or to refute, Duesberg's thesis. I restate that I take no side in this dispute. It seems undeniable to me that the dissidents have raised legitimate queries that should be researched, debated, and explored. I believe public health officials have a duty to answer these sorts of questions, and I yearn to hear those arguments in an energized debate. Dr. Fauci's aggressive censorship campaign and his refusal to debate arouse my suspicion and my ire. It brings to mind George R.R. R. Martin's observation that entrenched powers remove men's tongues not to prevent them from telling lies, but to stop them from speaking the truth. If any of Duesberg's revelations are solid, his story has momentous relevance today, as the removal of his tongue illustrates the capacity of the pharmaceutical cartel in, lead with, in league with self-interested technocrats to exaggerate and exploit viral pandemics, to foist toxic and dangerous remedies onto a credulous public, to promote self-serving agendas, even those with terrible outcomes, with the complicity of a fawning and scientifically illiterate media. Duesberg and others charged that by stifling debate and dissent, Dr. Fauci milled public fear into multi-billion dollar profits for his pharma partners while expanding his own powers and authoritarian control. The resulting policies, they say, have caused calamity to global economies and public health and vastly expanded the pool of human suffering. The first time that someone, Dr. Tom Cowan, a physician from Northern California, 
suggested to me that HIV was not the sole cause of AIDS, I dismissed the comment as ridiculous. I had watched many HIV-positive friends die of AIDS during the 1980s and 1990s. I personally knew two of the celebrities, Arthur Ashe and Rudolf Nureyev, whose pioneering deaths from AIDS shocked the world at the epidemic's dawn. It seemed self-evident that HIV was the culprit. I had no idea that the supposition was controversial. I have since learned that today, a disturbing number of virologists quietly doubt the theory that HIV is the sole cause of AIDS. To understand the skepticism by many of the world's leading scientific minds, we, have, we need to venture back through history and briefly down a very deep rabbit hole. That journey pulls back the curtain on a shockingly corrupt NIH culture distinguished by lacunae, sorry, I mispronounced that, L-A-C-U-N-A-E. RFK Jr.'s got big words that I don't even understand. That journey pulls back the curtain on a shockingly corrupt NIH culture distinguished by lacunae that most Americans associate with politics, not scientists, not science cutthroat ambition, backstabbing duplicity, and moral bankruptcy. In July 1981, CDC reported a unique outbreak of immune deficiency-related health problems in a group of highly promiscuous gay men in Los Angeles, New York, and San Francisco. A May 1983 science article by French Institute Pasteur virologist Luc Montagnier first identified a retrovirus that would later earn the name HIV. Montagnier believed he had detected signals of HIV in the lymph nodes of some of the AIDS victims he had sampled. After hearing a lecture by Montagnier, Dr. Robert Gallo, a blustering, ambitious National Cancer Institute researcher, entrepreneur, and homophobe, persuaded the Frenchman to send him a sample of the newly discovered retrovirus promising to use his considerable influence with the journal Science to get Montagnier's work published expeditiously. Instead, Dr. Gallo stalled the publication to give himself time to cultivate and steal Montagnier's virus. With the help of other Health and Human Services officials, Gallo then claimed Montagnier's pilfered virus as his own discovery and used an imaginative and cunning retinue of subterfuges and intricate frauds to obscure his larceny. In his book, Science Fictions, A Scientific Mystery, A Massive Cover-It, and The Dark Legacy of Robert Gallo, Pulitzer Prize-winning Chicago Tribune reporter John Crudson meticulously documents Gallo's brazen flim-flam, perhaps the boldest, most outrageous, and most consequential con operation in the history of science. The book exposes Gallo as a mountebank who built his career poaching discoveries from other scientists and claiming them as his own. Scientists who worked for Gallo described his NIH lab, where he presided over some 50 scientists and a budget of 13 million, as a den of thieves. One of Gallo's scientists told Crusen, it's hard to be an honest person in this place. She said she knew three employees who committed suicide. Gallo confided to a henchman that he liked to hire foreigners because they don't do what he wants. Because if they don't do what he wants, he can deport them. 
Gallo's former mistress and, mistress and lab employee, Flossie Wong Stahl, reported that Gallo voiced his craven need for the Nobel Prize and his bitterness at being denied the honor so frequently that it was practically a rhetorical device. It was natural that Gallo found a powerful and reliable ally in Tony Fauci. Gallo's proof that the cause of AIDS was a virus as opposed to toxic exposures provided the critical foundation stone of Dr. Fauci's career. This claim allowed Dr. Fauci to capture the AIDS program and its attendant cash flows from the National Cancer Institute and launched the project of building NIAID into the world's leading drug production empire. On April 23, 1984, Gallo recruited his boss, HHS Secretary Margaret Heckler, to lend credibility and weight to his dramatic announcement. Heckler took the stage before a packed scrum of international press. Good afternoon, she told the world. Ladies and gentlemen, first, the probable cause of AIDS has been found, a variant of a long known human cancer virus. She pointedly added, today we add a new miracle to the long honor roll of American medicine and science. Heckler's participation at Gallo's press event was important stagecraft because it gave the imprimatur of NIH's institutional gravitas to a theory that had not been subject to peer review. Only later did the public learn that NIH allowed Gallo to, allay, to delay the announcement until he had personally patented an antibody kit that he claimed capable of detecting HIV. He had developed the test at taxpayer expense. Crudson writes that Gallo conspired with a CDC official, James Curran, to improperly certify Gallo's test as equivalent in quality to a far better test developed by Montagnier. Gallo would make himself a millionaire from his innovation while fanning fears of the presumably deadly virus, which coincidentally drove sales. A subsequent lawsuit over Gallo's swindle by the French government ultimately forced Gallo to disgorge half his proceeds. Gallo's premature announcement pioneered a new strategy of science by press release that would become a familiar mainstay in Dr. Fauci's arsenal of narrative control, culminating in the COVID-19 pandemic. The journal Science did not publish Gallo's paper until over a week after his spectacular TV press conference. At the time, Gallo's tactic marked a severe breach of professional scientific etiquette. This gimmick assured that nobody could review Gallo's work prior to his proclamation. Both Dr. Gallo and Dr. Montagnier, who had devoted their careers to studying retroviruses, were cancer researchers. Before the appearance of AIDS, both men had vainly strived to implicate retroviruses as the culprit in leukemia. In 1975, before he ever published a paper on the subject, Gallo gained national headlines when he publicly announced his discovery of the human retrovirus HL23 that he claimed caused leukemia. He told colleagues he expected to win the Nobel Prize for his detection of HL23 in human leukemia cells. He didn't. Major labs around the country were intensely interested in HL23, but when they requested samples from Gallo, he ordered subordinates to damage the infected cells before sending them out. 
to make them useless for research by others. Leukemia incidence was exploding at the time, but ethical elasticity apparently insulated Gallo against qualms about purposely delaying vital research during a global pandemic. Other scientists complained that they could not reproduce Gallo's success. Subsequently, two groups of U.S. researchers specifically made a monkey out of Gallo's discovery, if not Gallo, by proving that HL23 virus was actually a humiliating laboratory contamination consisting of a melange of three viruses from a gibbon, a woolly monkey, and a baboon. Instead of a Nobel laureate, Gallo became a laughingstock. Undeterred by mortification, Gallo declared that a so-called HTLV virus, which he also claimed to discover, he had stolen the work of Japanese researchers, according to Crudson, was the cause of AIDS. Puzzled that he could not reproduce Gallo's results, another AIDS researcher working with gay patients asked Gallo if the discrepancy was because Gallo might be studying a different risk group. Was your patient a Haitian, a hemophiliac, the scientist queried? It was a fucking fag, replied Gallo. Wow. When asked to address Duisburg's announcements that the HIV about the HIV-AIDS hypothesis, Gallo often dismissed Duisburg's objection because Gallo suggested Duisburg was gay and or mentally disturbed. In reality, Duisburg is straight. Insane. Quote from Gallo. Duisburg comes to meetings with guys with leather jackets and the hair and so on in the middle. I mean, there's a, that's a little bit odd. Doesn't it speak of something funny? These were the sorts of petty defamations that Gallo generously offered instead of argument to defend his work. But Gallo's failure to demonstrate that he could find HTLV in the blood of men suffering from AIDS threatened to put the final nail in his naked noble ambitions. At the height of that personal crisis, Gallo learned about Montagnier's success. Unwilling to accept defeat by the French, he gulled the credulous virologist into sending him a sample which he cultured on a substrate that, substrate that, according to Crudson, he stole from yet another scientist. When he succeeded in finding signs of Montagnier's virus in the blood of gay men suffering from immune system collapse, Gallo rebranded it HTLV and claimed it to be the same virus he had lately discovered. Gallo's lab notes obtained by the Chicago Tribune show that Gallo renamed the French virus repeatedly, apparently to further obscure its pedigree. The following spring, science published the four papers from Gallo's lab, upon which Gallo's celebrity as the Superman of AIDS entirely rests. The first paper reported Gallo's isolation of a so-called new virus from AIDS patients. The second paper declared that the new virus had been isolated from a total of 48 subjects, finding that would go far towards proving that the virus caused the disease. Examinations of Gallo's lab notes by the Chicago Tribune found no traces of these 48 isolates. American and French governments skirmished over which scientists discovered HIV until the combatants agreed in 1987 to call it a co-discovery. The WHO delayed its response for two years as Gallo employed a series of artifices to pretend that there were two different viruses by delaying the announcement of the French scientists' earlier discoveries, Gallo stalled the introduction of a widely available blood test for the AIDS virus. 
for about a year. During the 1983-1984 interrogum, thousands of hospital patients and hemophiliacs received tainted blood from blood banks and became infected with HIV, and many of the already infected unwittingly spread the virus. The Nobel Committee awarded Montagnier its prize in 2008, conspicuously snubbing Gallo, whose notorious ethical lapses were, by then, abundantly documented. Gallo's unsupported claims and sketchy conduct resulted in two U.S. government inquiries into his professional ethics. Pulitzer Prize winner John Cruzan's 55,000-word expose in the Chicago Tribune documented Gallo's thefts, providing a withering portrait of Gallo as a sociopath and pathological liar who employed thieving felons to run his lab, a pirate enterprise engaged in pilfering money from the federal government and swiping discoveries from other scientists. The Sturm um drag around the competing claims obscured the fact that both cancer researchers produced scientific papers that did nothing more than suggest their retrovirus might cause age. Montagnier always moderated his own claims that HIV was proven the sole cause of AIDS and would eventually disavow that theory. Recalling how public revelations about Bob Gallo's acrobatic chicanery during his efforts to link leukemia to HIV had nearly destroyed Gallo's career, Nobel laureate Carrie Mullis, rest in peace Dr. Mullis, who unfortunately died in August 2019 just before the COVID-19 pandemic noted, quote from Carrie Mullis, HIV didn't suddenly pop out of the rainforest or Haiti. It just popped into Robert Bob Gallo's hands at a time when he needed a new career. Duesberg later said, he stole the fake diamonds from Luc Montagnier. Pouring concrete on confirmation bias. But like, your doctor, but like Dr. Fauci, Galli, Gallo had both the PIs and press in his pocket. NIH's mythical prestige lent Heckler's statement a near-religious authority. The medical establishment quickly embraced Gallo's scientific hypothesis. Suspending traditional skepticism towards government pronouncement, the press ordained Gallo's theories as indisputable doctrine and beatified Gallo as a saint. Says journalist and editor Mark Gabriel Conlan of Gallo's big press event, the conference was held before any of Robert Gallo's papers were published, therefore before any other scientists had a chance to review them and look at the evidence and ask, has he got it right or wrong? Gallo's announcement was a windfall for Tony Fauci. Pinning the AIDS epidemic on a virus allowed him to divert the cascading river of AIDS money from the National Cancer Institute into NIAID's overflowing coffers. Why? Because saying AIDS was caused by a virus uh, put it in the purview of the National Institute for Allergies and Infectious Diseases, NIAID. Dr. Fauci opened the floodgates of NIAID cash to develop new antivirals against HIV. He unleashed his kennel of grant-hungry PIs to concoct and test new drugs that would kill the virus. Remarkably, Dr. Fauci never funded to completion a single grant to explore whether HIV actually caused AIDS. 
Federal law requires that NIH's grant review committee be composed of true peers, independent outside scientists knowledgeable about a given proposal's subject matter to assess the application on its scientific merit. Ignoring those laws, Dr. Fauci began populating these committees with his own PIs. Researchers who reliably supported Dr. Fauci's orthodoxy watched their applications sail through the approval process. But scientists seeking to research ideas that departed from official doctrine encountered impenetrable obstacles. In 1988, a veteran NIH awardee, Seymour Grufferman, had his first experience with the new regime. Grufferman, the former chairman of NIH's review committee, had submitted a proposal to study the phenomenon of chronic fatigue syndrome, a touchy subject potentially threatening to the dominant cosmology, since many of Dr. Fauci's critics believe that chronic fatigue syndrome is non-HIV AIDS. I never got scores like that before, Grufferman told Hillary Johnson, author of Osler's Web. My data sheets were atrocious. When he, when he protested to Dr. Fauci, he recounted, Dr. Fauci was nasty. Dr. Fauci's tsunami of research money poured the concrete of confirmation bias onto Gallo's hypothesis. NIAID's PI Army welcomed the fierce new bug hunt around this novel medical mystery. Thousands of health science PhDs seeking government grants rushed to study the virus. Historian Tyree Michael recounts, Dr. Fauci's PIs became the fierce guard dogs of the pervasive HIV-AIDS orthodoxy. Nobel laureate Kerry Mullis knew the effect of NIH funding on cementing official dogma. Quote from Mullis, all the old virus hunters from the National Cancer Institute put new signs on their doors and became AIDS researchers. U.S. President Reagan sent up about a billion dollars just for starters, noted Mullis, who in 1993 won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his invention of the PCR technique. And suddenly, everybody who would, could claim to be any kind of medical scientist and who hadn't had anything much to do lately was fully employed, thanks to Fauci. The end of science. According to Mark Gabriel Conlin, the Department of Health and Human Services decided from now on we're only going to fund AIDS research that assumes that Robert Gallo's virus is the cause. Dr. Fauci will not fund research into any other possibilities. Therefore, those scientists who might have wanted to critique Gallo's papers would not be able to do so, at least not with anything supported by the federal government, which is virtually all science in this country today from that moment on. For 36 years, Fauci targeted all federal grants towards a single pathogen theory of AIDS. The little emperor, Fauci, made NIAID the go-to agency for AIDS research grants and spent lavishly so long as grant writers towed the official line about the purported viral cause of AIDS, the only hypothesis for which NIAID would provide funding. He used his awesome leverage to discourage inquiry into the multifactorial hypothesis. The PIs that he funded became his ideological commissars. The growing enterprise became the launch platform for his career as the most successful medical science bureaucrat in America's history. One of the inevitable outcomes of this confirmation bias research was the rapidly expanding definition of AIDS. 
Dr. Fauci's battalion of scientists implemented a wide-ranging HIV testing program using indiscriminate PCR tests capable of amplifying tiny strands of long-dead genetic debris billions of times. The PCR test could not identify active HIV infection, Mollis, who invented the tests, pointed out that the PCR was capable of finding HIV signals in large segments of the population who suffered no threat from HIV and had no live HIV virus in their bodies. Researchers naturally found harmless HIV DNA detritus in people with a constellation of other diseases. All those unrelated ailments soon became incorporated beneath the umbrella definition of AIDS. Individuals with candida or Kaposi's sarcoma and a positive PCR test had AIDS. Those same individuals with a negative PCR tests would have Kaposi's sarcoma or candida. Under this rubric, the AIDS definition rapidly metastasized to encompass a galaxy of some 30 separate well-known diseases, including Kaposi's sarcoma, Hodgkin's disease, herpes zoster, aka shingles, pneumocytistis, uh, Carini pneumonia, PCP, Burkitt's lymphoma, isoporiasis, salmonella, septicemia, and tuberculosis, all of which also occur in individuals who have had no HIV infection. Most people consider it blasphemous when you point out AIDS is not a disease. It's a syndrome, Paul Philpott, MS, editor, Rethinking AIDS, explained. It's a collection of diseases, and those diseases get called AIDS if they, if they occur in a patient that the doctor somehow concludes is HIV positive. All of the diseases in the category called AIDS occur in people who are HIV negative. None of them are exclusive to people who test HIV positive. And all of them have causes and treatments that are well known. They're completely unrelated to HIV. So any of the diseases, when they happen to somebody who tested HIV negative, are called by their old name, but when they occur in someone who tested HIV positive, they're called AIDS. Excuse me, folks. I got to run to the restroom real quick. Don't worry. It's a long format. I'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, I'm back. Thanks for your patience. You can see Logie Dog there making a, a cameo appearance. I know, but I'm almost done. Actually, I still got still got 17 pages to read, buddy. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, Logie wants to go skiing. Ah, you still with me there? So they took all these diseases and lumped them under the AIDS banner if you have a positive HIV test. Right. In the hands of Dr. Fauci's opportunistic PIs, AIDS became an amorphous malady subject to ever-changing definitions, encompassing a multitude of old diseases in hosts who test positive for HIV. 
asked to define AIDS in a 2009 documentary, Fauci said, when your CD4 count falls before a certain arbitrary level, by definition, you have AIDS. But how do we explain the many individuals who have low CD4 counts and no HIV? The growth of the AIDS pandemic was predictably explosive. Using PCR and expanded diagnosis, World Health Organization estimates that HIV has infected 78 million people and caused 39 million deaths. Today, 39 million people who live with HIV with over 2 million new infections each year. This loose diagnostic system and the gravy train of financial incentives for finding AIDS everywhere guaranteed riches for institutions and individuals who signed on to Dr. Fauci's gold rush. The pharmaceutical multinationals like GlaxoSmithKline minting enormous profits marketing antivirals to kill HIV with little incentive to challenge Dr. Fauci's orthodoxy. Um, then he goes into a whole chapter on Africa's AIDS bonanza. I'm going to skip ahead a little because it is a long book and we're already at an hour and a half here. Uh, I strongly recommend people get the book. Um, yes. Where should I start picking up again? You got to read it because there's, there's pretty conclusive evidence. There's Loki value in the background. There's pretty conclusive evidence that uh, everything you know, everything we know about HIV and AIDS is a lie. And as we're being told, all this, you know, there's all this push to get people HIV testing, uh, this push to promote the notion that. Uh, we're in the midst of a new AIDS epidemic caused by HIV. In reality, we might be in the midst of a VAIDS epidemic, vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Um, okay, I'm going to skip ahead to the last couple pages here of Chapter 5 of the book. The spread of AIDS in the United States post-1985. Dr. Rebecca Colshaw, a mathematical biologist and former AIDS researcher, went from unquestioning believer to converted heretic. The initial irony she ca that captured her attention was the paradox of the preventative curve. It is, she observed, indisputable fact that neither AIDS nor HIV have spread like they were predicted to. The predicted, the predicted heterosexual AIDS explosion never happened, and even to mention this prediction now is almost taboo as it is clearly an embarrassment to the AIDS establishment if HIV has not spread at all, but rather it has remained constant in the population since its detection. In Western countries, AIDS has never broken away from its original core pool of homosexual men and drug addicts. That limit defies the pattern of every infectious and sexually transmitted disease throughout history. By definition, there can be no viral disease that does not break out of risk groups, pauper consuming gays, and those addicted to and frequently using hard drugs. This is especially true for HIV because, as Dr. Fauci's acolytes claim, this is supposed to be the most infectious virus that has ever existed. Assuming that is true, it is baffling that the virus did not frequently spread to women through sexual contact and did not affect all people all over the world equally. 
It is especially baffling that AIDS does not spread to prostitutes except those who use intravenous drugs. The fact that AIDS does not obey the accepted rules that have reliably governed every other plague known to mankind is, Duisburg says, just more evidence that HIV is an innocent bystander or a passenger virus. Okay. You got to read the book to get the full story. But basically, long story in a short. Long story, extremely short. They, they took uh, HIV. Luke Montagnier discovered HIV, said it might have some connection to AIDS. Robert Gallo stole Montagnier's discovery of HIV and said it was the sole cause of AIDS. In reality, a lot of the people suffering from immune system deficiencies, acquired immunodeficiency syndromes, uh, back in the early 80s, the homosexual community was big on these amyl nitrate popper drugs and other hard drugs and promiscuous sex. No disrespect to homosexuals in general. That's just how those are the populations, the hard drug users, the popper users, and the extremely promiscuous people were the ones who were suffering from acquired immunodeficiency syndromes and dying. And it was largely the poppers and the unhealthiness of the lifestyle in general that was doing it. But they blamed it on the HIV virus. And then encourage people to get tested for HIV. When people got tested for HIV, they said you have AIDS and they put them on AZT, which is a super toxic chemotherapy drug that was that basically caused AIDS-like symptoms in the people that took it and killed the people. So they pretended HIV was the problem. They prescribed this super expensive, super toxic, dangerous drug that killed people, and then they blamed it on AIDS, in a nutshell. Back to the book. Last page and a half of chapter five. Enforced consensus in a sea of dissenting voices. The press long ago stopped reporting voices of dissent, but you now know those voices are real. It's like dying in outer space, Ortleb told me. No one can hear you scream. But before questioning the orthodoxy became career suicide, some of the world's most prestigious scientists expressed such skepticism. It's worth revisiting some of these voices. We do not yet know how HIV causes AIDS, said Dr. John Coffin of Tufts University, a member of the International Committee that named the virus. He told that delegates at the Sixth International Conference on AIDS in June 1990. Dr. Shai-Ching Lo, Director of AIDS Pathology at the U.S. Armed Forces Institute of Pathology from 1986 through 2008, insisted that HIV could not be the sole cause of AIDS. In 2002, Dr. Bruce Evatt, CDC's Director of the Division of Hematology, lamented that the CBC went to the public with statements for which there was ab almost no evidence. We, have, we did not have proof it was a contagious agent. That's a quote from Dr. Bruce Evett, 2002, CDC Director of the Division of Hematology. In September of 2004, Reinhard Kurth, former director of the Robert Koch Institute, one of the pillars of mainstream AIDS research, conceded in Der Spiegel, we don't, actually, we don't exactly know how HIV causes disease. 
1987, physiologist and MacArthur Grant winner Robert Root Bernstein told ABC correspondent John Hockenberry that he does not believe that HIV is necessarily the cause or the sole cause of AIDS. Quote from John, uh, quote from uh, Robert Root Bernstein, I've had people tell me bluntly that I agree totally with your viewpoint that there are probably other things involved, that HIV can't cause AIDS by itself, that maybe you can get AIDS in the absence of HIV, but I'm not going to risk my million dollars of funding by saying that. That's a quote from Robert Root Bernstein, 1987. Harvard Nobel Prize winning molecular biologist Walter Gilbert told Hockenberry, the major thing that concerns me, like calling HIV the cause of AIDS, is that we do not have a proof of causation. That's our major reason for being concerned. Gilbert also said the problem with the HIV theory is the argument that all causes of AIDS are all associated with the virus. And there is an inference made that all people with the virus will ultimately come down with AIDS. That's of course not known to be a fact. South Africa's pioneering AIDS researcher and physician, Dr. Joseph Sonnabend, chimed in, quote, The harm in the whole notion of the speculation being presented as fact is that if the speculation proved to be true, that means that research on whatever is truly going on has been neglected, and this, of course, with a disease like AIDS, can be translated into the loss of tens of thousands of lives. Says prominent New York AIDS doctor Michael Lang, Assistant Head of Infectious Diseases and Epidemiology at St. Luke's Hospital, quote, We've lost years in AIDS drug development because of the Gallo-Essex-Hazeltine axis boycotting other ideas. This chapter has outlined a meager skeletal description of just a few of the most common critiques of the hypothesis Dr. Fauci defends at all costs. Interested readers may find much more eloquent and thorough investigations in a number of books by various authors. Perhaps the best of these is mathematician Robert Coleshaw's Science Sold Out. Coleshaw was an AIDS researcher who slowly became disillusioned by the gaping chasms in the HIV-AIDS hypothesis and by government corruption in maintaining the orthodoxy. Her book offers a sociological explanation as to how the theory was anointed by the media and scientific community. Other important books are Duesberg's Inventing the AIDS Virus, Lauritsen's book The AIDS War, Osler's Web by Hilary Johnson, and Harvey Biley's Oncogenes, Aneuploidy, and AIDS. I also recommend The Deconstruction of the AIDS article by Yale mathematician Serge Lang, and an insightful chapter titled Fear and Lawyers in Los Angeles in Carrie Mollis's Dancing Naked in the Minefield. That's a great, uh, great read, Dancing Naked in the Minefield. By the way, I bought that, read it, and then gave, it, gave that copy to my dad for Christmas. Back to the book. Instead of civilly debating these dissidents and writers and common sense questions posed by Duisburg and other critics, Dr. Fauci's strategy has been to exercise his frightening capacity to silence dissent and mangle reputations. History may credit him as the progenitor, even the inventor, of cancel culture. My purpose here is not to take sides, much less to resolve disputes that have so far defied resolution for decades. Rather, I'm sharing something few people have been allowed to know, that there is a dispute, and that Tony Fauci has not allowed study that might resolve it. 
My hope is to chronicle Tony Fauci's role as high priest of an orthodoxy that today supports a multi-billion dollar global enterprise. Over the years, Dr. Fauci has deflected and evaded scientific debate and transformed theories into quasi-religious dogma, punishing and silencing dissent the way the Inquisition published heresy. America's doctor has never given the American taxpayers or American sufferers or American AIDS sufferers, 53% of whom are in the United States, people of color, proof that AZT or its successive antivirals provide beneficial impacts on mortality. It seems fair, if not dangerous, to ask for that proof. So that's the end of that chapter. He's got uh, 145 footnotes in uh, that chapter. Then chapter six, he goes on um, burning the HIV heretics. Another great read. Another long chapter. If you haven't read this book, I can't recommend it enough. Sorry, I cut that chapter short. I'm sure some of y'all were intrigued by it, but I got to get my day going. I got to go uh, pick up a sheet of plywood and paint it for the van I'm working on. And then I'm going skiing with my buddy Tofty. And I'm uh, going to make it a great day. 9.41 a.m. here. We're an hour and 41 minutes into the show today. Again, if you haven't seen uh, the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, you know, I'm going to try to find a copy of that first book he met, he mentioned in the chapter two, Science Sold Out. I really want to find this uh, Google. Let's see if Google's got it. Nature Journal article, Fauci, HIV, vaccine developments. Dun, dun, dun. Really want to find that and share it with y'all. Oh, here we go. This might be it. Victories against AIDS have lessons for COVID-19. Anthony Fauci on four decades of progress against HIV and what's needed for the future mRNA vaccine. Oh, here we go. So remember, there's no actual scientific, real scientific consensus on uh, whether or not HIV is the cause of AIDS. But we got Fauci here in Science, uh, November 2021, letting us know, in his opinion, a safe and effective HIV vaccine has been elusive so far, but even a moderately effective vaccine could, together with the rest of the toolkit, bring an end to AIDS as a major health concern. It's likely that one could build on some of the tools and platforms used for COVID-19 vaccines. Hmm. mRNA technology, including mRNA and optimizing immunogens to prompt the most effective immune response. Entering the fifth decade of AIDS, the challenge to researchers is to work with at-risk communities to deliver treatment and prevention to everyone in the world who needs them. It all sounds fun and dandy, unless you know a little bit more about the real Anthony Fauci and how this shit goes down. You know, a lot of people are going to be suffering acquired immunodeficiency syndromes, in my opinion, as a direct result of playing God with human immune systems via genetic interventions like the mRNA injections. And it's important to note here, too, that Fauci... Let's see if we can find... 
Anthony Fauci patents AIDS HIV vaccines mRNA Fauci's got patents Fauci's got uh, patents well, I already showed you that abstract method that's weird I found a page that was all about uh, mRNA injections do 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 let me read this real quick these are all Fauci patents going back to 97. You've got quite a few. Um, well, these epitopes and antibodies have, been have use in preparing vaccines for, for preventing HIV infection or for controlling the progression of AIDS. Um, bum, 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 bum. Long format, my friends, long format. I remember looking at, I think it was this page. Monoclonal antibodies. Anyway, long story short, a lot of different patents in uh, the treatment of HIV, which Fauci purports as the, is the cause of AIDS. But... Remember, friends, there are a lot of things that you can acquire that will make your immune system deficient. Let's just leave it at that. It's funny how the scientific literature, it's so, it's so uh, shady, isn't it? It's so hard to understand. They use so many big words and Latin words and acronyms. They make it all seem so complicated. Make it all, they reduce it all to biochemistry. They put it in a language that even me with a, you know, I scored a 34R on the MCAT, which put me in like the 95th percentile of med school applicants back in uh, 2004, 2005, when I briefly attended medical school. And, you know, I can read through that stuff and, make sense of it if I really put a lot of effort into it, but fuck, it is like pulling teeth trying to make sense of what they pass off as science these days. And that's not a mistake. Artificially complex systems, right? The financial system, artificially complex. The legal system, artificially complex. Um, yeah, the political system, artificially complex. Technological systems, artificially complex, difficult to navigate. Ugh. Crazy clown world we live in, isn't it? It's crazy clown world. But really, life can be so simple. And on that note, I'm signing off. Remember, a lot of this shit's designed to distract us, divide us, deceive us, depress the living shit out of us, make us feel stupid, and deter us from taking positive action. We see what positive action will get you. When the government feels threatened, they'll pull out every tool in their uh, toolkit to come at you. Encourage people 
if you like my work, head on over to uh, realmaxmogren.substack.com. Oh, I lost, I lost eight subscribers, but I still have three paid subscribers. So if anybody wants to subscribe, please do. Paid subscribers, all that money is going to go towards uh, supporting the show. I'm not going to be buying a big Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates yacht anytime, anytime soon. Definitely not in this lifetime. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Support my work. Your bank account might get frozen. So far, I'm holding strong. I got to get going. Got to go buy a sheet of plywood and put the first coat of paint on it. Building some bunk beds in a camper van for a friend. I love all y'all. Then I'm going skiing. Love all y'all. I love all y'all. Stay woke even when they steal the meaning of the word woke and try to apply it to fake woke, fake progressive causes. <laughs> the clown world is a clown world. And we're just, uh, you know, if anybody out there, if God is listening, if the aliens are listening, beam me up. <laughs> and uh, bring as many friends with me as I can. Y'all take it easy. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. And of course, peace.